Hello and welcome to this episode of the Care Leaders Network podcast. My name's Simon Parker and I'm the founder and chief executive for CLN. Today I'm having a conversation with these two fine people uh, and we're going to be talking about the changing landscape of finance in social care. Obviously the whole of social care is going through a, a state of flux at the moment and of course that impacts the, the finance teams as well. So uh, delighted to be welcomed by Michael Butcher who's the FD at Blackadder Corp and also Rachel Anstey, who's one of the partners at Hazelwoods, who are a leading accountancy firm for the for the healthcare and social care sector. So welcome uh, both of you. It's great to see you both today. Thanks very much. Good to be here. Same here. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. So uh, lots to uh, lots to talk about. Um, let's, I guess, kind of set the set the scene. So um, what challenges are we expecting to to see from a finance perspective in in twenty twenty three? So I'll go first from the um, provider's perspective. Um, so Blackadder is, is six residential care homes. Um, I think the challenges that social care faces, they're not they're not unique to any particular part of, of the sector or any particular, in fact, any sector at, at all at the moment. Um, biggest problem for us at the moment around specifically around finance is just a way just in the way that inflation is just causing unforeseen consequences in terms of the the, ca the cash flow orientation on that but by what i mean is when i when we started back in social care as a group back in I know, 25 years ago late 90s fee rates of 300 pounds a week now we're talking about fee rates of 1500 pounds a week we're not changing the business model hasn't changed but the peaks and troughs of our cash flow are that much higher. Um, it, it's not uncommon for us to be spending half a million pounds a month on payroll costs. That's just, you know, it, it's just the, the complexity of managing that entire process. And that, that concept of complexity just feel, it feeds through everything that we do now. Um, the, the funding streams that we have, it used to be just local authority or private. Now you've got an absolute, you know, there's no, there's no vanilla funding stream anymore. Everything, every individual has you know, a particular funding element that we need, you know, need to be, uh, we need to consider. The sophistication of our reporting has increased. And that's partly because you know, of the complexity in, inherent within the system, but also we, you know, we are being required by our stakeholders, by lenders, and also by the local authorities when we report, for example, as part of the fair cost of care exercise, we need to have more sophisticated finance systems and be able to really deep dive into our numbers in a way that we didn't have to before. I remember that even five years ago, we were working off you know, very simple systems and that has now become you know, a very complicated ERP system that you know, we've had to spend quite a lot of time learning how to get to grips with. And Alongside that, you've now got a speed of reporting issue. So we are now having to report almost in real time on certain finance points. Um, so pay, you know, payroll was always, always had to be done quickly, but we you know, we have three day closeouts on payroll, and at busy month end, month month ends, we're closing down the invoicing for the month and getting finance reports out in in seven working days, which is a level of sophistication. And complexity that that frankly just just wasn't here before, um, and so that I think is that's the main challenge. Just that increased complexity and sophistication that is needed to to operate successfully within social care. 
Thanks, Michael. Rachel, I guess you get a bit of a macro view. Obviously, you, you, you serve so many different social care organisations. I guess you you get get the opportunity to have lots of uh, lots of uh, business leaders from, from from the social care sector. Is that consistent with what you're you're seeing as well from uh, kind of throughout the the sector as a whole? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think um, the expectation has been raised in terms of the quality and timeliness of the data that's being produced. And, you know, that in itself gives problems because I think there's probably a bit of a skills gap as well. You know, Michael is a, a great advocate of, of Excel and Power BI, which is a great tool to be able to um, speed up the process, minimise sort of um, user data entry time, etc. cetera. Um, but if you've got that skills gap, which I think you definitely have, um, I can think of many operators who um, up until a couple of years ago were pretty manual based even quite you know quite good sized groups and they've had to um, digitalize if you want to call it that and that's that's caused the problem especially with perhaps some individuals that don't have those skills um, and don't a, a bit adverse to change perhaps and and that also leads on to the recruitment problem which everyone knows about the recruitment problem in the social care sector but that also extends itself to the finance function whether you're talking about the in-house finance function in a care business or whether you're talking about accountants and accounting professionals there's there's a real crisis a real problem to get the right people so that's that's a big challenge too so my interpretation of what's being said is so the 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 expectation is is higher generally uh from a sophistication uh, uh and complexity perspective but then actually getting the right people to then deal with those that extra sophistication and uh complexity that's that, that that's kind of almost an, an extra layer on, on on top of that so um so what are what are the problems now that the social care sector is having to solve now that wouldn't have been an issue maybe three maybe five years ago? I think perhaps um, I think this is COVID has exacerbated the um, need to manage your data in a better way and you know in a more um, digital way and. Obviously, that wasn't an issue five years ago. So it's it's brought that problem to the head for some organisations who were just just weren't ready for it. I mean, I'll give you an example. This isn't within a finance function, but this is within an accountancy firm. So prior to COVID, um, all of our audits were digital. You know, we call it paperless, but certain parts of our business absolutely were not. And overnight, we had to be. And so that's that's definitely a problem that we didn't have five years ago that we just had to come get to grips with pretty quick. And I'm, I'm sure, Michael, you had similar challenges within the social care business. Rachel, you're absolutely right. Um, what we found prior to COVID was that our business model was actually already having to evolve towards a more remote way of working. So we had, you know, because we had multiple sites and you know, it, it didn't make sense for the finance team to be working on those sites, we had to have a central finance function and the directors were automatically separate to that. So I think we were lucky in a way that we'd adopted that, that, that way of working in advance, but suddenly you do have the issues, well, how do we get invoices out? How do we get petty cash out? How do we make sure that you know we can operate this business completely remotely?
So I'm, the, the managing data is, is, is a great way of putting it, but as a finance function, we're now managing more than just finance data. So an awful lot of the, the care data that we have in our care management system is now partially managed by, by me, just because there's no one else with the skill set to be able to manage you know, the, the Power BI, the Excel, and the data flows that you need to uh, keep on top of that. Um, but similarly, just going back to the, the finance data and the point that I made earlier about the complexity of it, it used to be the case that you had, you sent out a couple of invoices and you received a remittance from the local authority. We now have so many different local authorities and so many different invoices to, to, to email out that our invoicing data, just who, you know, who, the date, who the invoices need to go to, is something that we now, we've had to put additional processes in to make sure that we're getting our invoicing right. So a, you know, what used to be a, a really simple process, get cash in, do reconciliation. Uh, during COVID, that was probably taking us about four or five person days to actually get through that process. And so we've had to, we've had to go through a process to to simplify, streamline, and automate to get it back down to you know a one one and a half person day process, which you know, we you know, took us probably about a year to get there. Talk to me about exactly like the the, the difference between those two worlds. Obviously, you've mentioned the the kind of the time difference, which is really really significant. But how do you go from that massive influx up to four or five working days per 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 day to um, sorry per month? to then getting that back down to a more manageable one or maybe two days, I guess. The way, well, the way I did it is we actually asked ourselves the question, what are we doing and what, what can we, what can we do better? And it started out in, in April 21, we might, we, because take back a sec, we, we took, we made the decision to um, restructure our contracts to allow us to invoice for VAT. Um, and therefore you know, do partial VAT recovery. Um, as part of that, we knew that we had to move to a new finance system and that's part of our growth strategy. So the ambition is to go out and to have a, as we make further acquisitions, is to go and have a finance system and hold data stack that we can literally just plug and play. And so we've, we've set ourselves the challenge that day one of an acquisition, by day five, all of our systems must be live in that new environment. So... Yeah, that, that that's how our data stack has had to be built. So then looking at how our invoicing worked when we moved to the new system, we just sat down and said, right, what new functionality does this bring us? And we tried a couple of things, they didn't quite work. We, you know, we've iterated and we've now got a system that, you know, through importing your data through Excel, you know, now works a lot more cleanly. It's not as simple as, you know, here's a sheet, put it up. It does require, you know, quite a lot of manual work in the background. But because those occupancy sheets are so fundamental to our business, that was sort of a, a standard process. So I think a lot of it has been that good old fashioned um, iterative process of what works, what what are the critical date, what are the critical pathways, what you know, what, what what's failing, and then just iterating and making that work even better. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly lucky. I've got a good a good finance team around me. You know, some really good Excel skills that you know we can actually do that. But going back to Rachel's point, if you don't have that that skill set in house, trying to develop those solutions is going to be incredibly challenging. Mm, yeah, of course. I, 
there's there's one point that I'll I'll bring up in a in a second, but like fundamentally, obviously, you you now got that kind of level of sophistication within your organisation, and you've got to go, th- you've had to go through the process, that iterative process, to get it to a point where it kind of works for you. What does that What does that give you at kind of a fundamental level? Time. Frank, frankly, it, it's right, yeah. It, it, yeah. The the biggest issue the. So with, with increased complexity, it means that we need to spend more more time answering questions and and doing doing detailed work. So you know, we have regular changes in care needs in our residents at the moment. That's just you know, the nature of social care and that in residential and nursing care, the complexity of care is changing, not only for new residents coming in, but also for existing residents. And so you know, fee rates are having to be changed almost on a month by month basis. So you know, that, that work stream just was, was not there three, four years ago. So that's where, you know, that's where my time's going in. You then have, that means that invoices are being changed, which means my finance team needs to be sending different invoices for different amounts, reconciling. All these small levels of detail are coming in to make that even more complicated. And so the need for more time is ever present. Um, so last year, we had to go out and recruit a credit controller to do, you know, to do that, that that fundamental credit control check. You know, we're using her for a couple of other tasks as well now, so entering purchase invoices, but fundamentally the finance team that we had just didn't have time to go and collect the cash. So that's always yeah. going to have such a massive knock-on effect at the uh, for cash flows. Cash flow is always going to be one of those things, isn't it? There's uh, there's no no, well, no no getting away from the fact that that's all, that one's always going to be something that you're going to want to get cash collected quickly um, yeah. and responsibly. And obviously that's going to be the fuel of the business. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, come, it came back to time. And if we didn't have time to do the most fundamental part of you know, making sure that our cash collection was right, we're doing something wrong. So, you know, we, we probably spent a good two months or so talking about and planning what we need to do. Um, I'm sat in my finance office and we've got two whiteboards with various different projects and ideas, you know, sort of short-term and long-term ambitions to streamline, automate, and make things simpler for us. Um, you know, we're, we're spending, you know, we, we've, we've recruited a great team, really proud of them, and they are doing a great job. And yeah, but as Rachel said, if we're having to recruit ever, ever sophisticated you know, people to do more sophisticated roles, the last thing you want to be doing is sitting there, you know, doing the banal parts of the job. So what can we automate to remove that as well, make their roles more fulfilling and, you know, Get them focused on the interesting stuff rather than the, uh, you know, the, the simple and mundane. I guess anyone in any type of role in the care sector, uh, I don't know anyone who's not time poor. You know, that's just one of the inevitabilities of social care. So time mm-hmm. uh, when it can be uh, reallocated to other uh, other things, other important priorities and things like that is always going to be really, really key. So, Rachel, would you say like from a as you as you see it again, it's this kind of macro view that you get to see into uh, see into lots of lots of different care organisations. What would you say like the overall level of sophistication is within care organisations relevant to uh, I guess where it could be, where it has the potential to to be? Because the the part of the reason why I asked the question. So in my, in my consultancy business um, that that I was running before the Care Leaders Network, we'd spend an awful lot of time with um, the owners of care organisations. And it, it it seemed a lot of the time that it just didn't seem like a really big, big priority. The expectation wasn't there to have um, sophisticated reporting or um, uh, uh, to have kind of the need for kind of big systems and lots of lots of resource and all of that type of stuff. It would be done to a 
certain standard, but there was certainly an awful lot more that could be done to make it maybe work uh, better. Maybe that's more reflective of the people that we were working with from a consultancy perspective. So I get interested to hear your your view on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's massively varied is the simple answer. There's no particular correlation between, you know, the subsectors of care or the, the size of organisation, I would say. Um, I can think of operators who've got between five and ten homes and still manually enter every transaction into their accounting software. Even, you know, trying to trying to prize them away from that is, is ridiculous. But And then you've got a small domiciliary care operator who's all over it and everything's automated. I think it very much depends upon those individuals' backgrounds. So, Michael, you know, you're an accountant. I, I'm going to out you now. Accountant by trade. <laughs> um, and you've got that background, haven't you? You've, you've got that interest in data. You've got that desire to, 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 to make it automated, make more time for your team and you. Um, but as it, it really does depend on the, the background of the individuals. Um, but I agree. I, I think actually that, you know, taking away that, that data entry at the lower level is the absolute key to it. It's got to be the starting point, hasn't it? And then upon that, you can build um, different layers into it. And ultimately, you can get better information. Um, bankers are, are requiring um, much more sophisticated and timely data these days. Uh, we'll come on to this in a bit. But you know, if you refinance these days, you cannot get away with just producing um, very average management information. I can think back to a time when you know just the occupancy figures and a very sketchy PL account was was sufficient um, on a quarterly basis. But that just isn't the case anymore. You you'll be expected to produce a, a full suite of MI quarterly, if not monthly. Um, and that if you don't have that, it's going to hold you back, especially if you've got aspirations to grow. That's an interesting point. I know we talked about this before, but um, uh, I think one of the things that you raised, Rachel, was the uh, was the fact that um, sometimes if you go through a refinance, if you've got a relationship with a bank, they might have because you're kind of a trusted entity within that particular bank, or maybe they've got slightly different standards standards um, than a potential a new refinancier, if you uh, if you like. Um, the level of difference between the expectation around kind of what 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 what's required from a management information perspective might actually put people off either um, doing that refinance with that particular bank or buying that particular home or doing that extension or kind of building that building that home because they the, 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 there's almost like a resistance to, um, to 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 wanting to make that investment to go through go through that that that, that process as uh, as well which is it it's interesting that certainly wasn't an anecdote that I'm I, I was aware of but I guess not not surprised in some ways as well yeah I think um I think if you've got a couple of homes you've been with the same banker for years you're not looking to do very much then you're probably not going to be challenged a great deal around MI as long as you're ticking boxes um, but if you've got aspirations to grow, then you're going to you're going to open yourself up to, um, you know, more stringent covenant requirements. But any entrepreneurial care operator knows that that's that's just what is required, unfortunately, in this in this this world, this day and age. And what underpins all that is good MI, and what underpins all that is good processes and and good data collection and 
a, a strong finance team. Sure. Yeah, the other thing that I was going to bring up, and it's p- partly because I'm I'm doing it with the Care Leaders Network at the moment, but we've got um we've got a, a fantastic uh, bookkeeper. Effectively, she 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 manages all of that type of uh, that type of stuff, and she's um uh she does a, a a brilliant job in that respect. But as we grow, uh, we know that our our business is likely to become uh, more sophisticated in the way that it's it, it's run. Uh, we also have aspirations for what we want to be able to do with the business in the in the future, and we realised last year that it was going to be really important to to take that level of sophistication to that to that next level so we've now found an outsourced partner um for that uh i'll, I'll, I'll let, let you know who they are they're, they're, they're an organization called uki uh they're actually a supplier member of the care leaders network that's how i ended up hearing of them so they they work with care organizations as uh as well but it, it's not just the the bookkeeping part of what they of, of what they do and making that more sophisticated you can effectively outsource your entire finance function to them almost on a line item by line item basis so there are certain areas that are uh, my, my my colleague in uh, that runs all of our finance at the moment does a brilliant job certain areas that she's not so not so confident in uh and there's certain th- certain things that we want to do over and above her um current capability and capacity for for the time being for us to be able to go and do that we're like we're gonna it will be quite transformational for for us because the level of data that we're going to have um, at the at the at, at the click click of a button is going to be going to be pretty fantastic. And I I know who um, from uh, from from Paul, who's the managing director at Uki. They've got um, so they work with Luxury Care Care Group, who also again member of the Care Leaders Network. Kevin, the managing director, gets uh, sorry the the founder and chief executive is um, uh, he's got five five um key metrics that he gets to manage that get presented now you can get down into the detail of all of those key metrics but he's got five key metrics that he gets to measure on a day-by-day basis to understand the health of the business and the kind of the overall tempo and things um and that's it, it's an exciting prospect for for, for us as uh, a, a, as a small business to be able to uh to, to to achieve that and it's attainable i think that's probably one of the things to to highlight it's not that complex there's work that needs to be done again like michael you obviously highlighted the fact that you've done a lot of that work yourself in, in internally with pieces of technology and getting more uh, a bigger team but there's there's so much opportunity within that over and above the level of sophistication that has to be achieved there's a lot of great stuff that can help you operate better that can help you uh, i guess act in kind of a more strategic fashion as well and it comes back to the age old thing of data you know if you've got more data you've got more insight if you've got more insight you can make better better decisions and let's be honest like in a world with social care where there's so much headwind there's so many different so much pressure com- coming from so so many different angles to be able to get a feel for what's going on in the homes and then get the get the data you can take that quantitative and qualitative information and then build that into how you approach running your 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 business moving forwards. Which, for me, I think that's an exciting thing. I know that's an exciting thing for a lot of uh, a lot of people. But as I say, I don't I don't I don't know whether that's I don't know whether it's common knowledge that even maybe some of that stuff's even even possible. I think also um, that's really crucial from a tax planning point of view, because if you don't know in a t- in a timely fashion, you know what your profits are. And what you could do to potentially minimise tax liabilities, then you're always looking back. That's just really, it's just a great way to run your business. 
that that was actually uh that was going to be my next question i'm glad glad you brought up that's part of the reason why we want to be able to to do it because we want to make sure that we're being efficient from a from a tax planning perspective you know there are there are levers that you can pull um and they're not insignificant as uh as well and the the i guess the the point of a great uh, accountant would be uh, to to help to set things up in a way to make sure that if you're having to spend extra money, maybe on improving the overall sophistication of the way that you run your your finance function, they can help you make sure that you're making good decisions in in that respect as well, which hopefully uh, should be able to mitigate or even make, uh, make pale into insignificance the cost that you've had to incur as a as a result of making those extra investments. And also, it may be that. You know, if you make a pension contribution by a certain date, then you can reduce your tax significantly. But there's no point finding out what your profit was after the event. You've missed the boat. So yeah. it's all about planning ahead, isn't it? Yeah, I think I use the word insight. I think the word foresight in that set of circumstances is equally as important as the uh, as, as the insight. So yeah, I think that's a I think that's a super important point to uh, to raise as uh, as well. So I know we touched upon this slightly. Um, Talk to me about stakeholder expectations because the um, a, a large part of this, I guess, is the expectation of of stakeholders. What are we What are we seeing in that respect, um, and what are what are what are stakeholders looking for? So, it's it, I, I think the key thing comes down to expertise on the numbers. For me, it's a I, I feel that the, the level of sophistication that we are now all having to operate at, you need, you need to know your numbers inside and out first time. You can't be referring to, to a spreadsheet, even on a, on a Zoom call where you know, you've, got, you've got the numbers up in front of you. So I, I think, it, I think it, fundamentally it boils down to that. And I think lenders are looking for, you know, they're, they're looking for, com- for people to, who have got com- absolute confidence in their numbers. Um, so just going back to your point about having an outsourced finance solution, I think you're absolutely right in that certain parts of the process can be outsourced, you know, line by line. Payroll, for example, we would never insource that. That's something that is a specialist service we will always outsource. Data entry, I can see how, you know, yes, you would want to do that. But in terms of actually knowing the numbers, the granularity behind that, I think that's, you know, that is something that our lenders and a number of people that we speak to are, are, are really looking for in terms of, um, you know, a, a key measure of, of the competence of the organization from our side as well just in terms of you know as an internal stakeholder group I mentioned it before but cash flow forecasting um you know I, I i spend very little time looking backwards um rachel and i are about to go through an audit together and she, she will attest I, I i don't like looking backwards it's it's not it's not what i find enjoyable and i don't think it adds much adds, adds much value the ability to constantly look forward, what's coming over the horizon, what's going to happen in the next 12 months, what, you know, what does, you know, what, what, what are all of those implications going to mean for our organization? And therefore, how do we pivot our business to make sure we face those headwinds? That's something that's absolutely critical for an effective finance function right now. Um, and just, just talking about you know, other things that lenders are looking for. I mean, Rachel, you, you raised it earlier, the sophistication of the MI that we're having to generate, the ability to to have a dynamic forecasting model that you know takes everything that's going on at the moment and you can you know, alter it line by line, um, and then bringing that into an integrated cash flow forecast, you know, that's relatively complicated Excel modeling that 
you know, I'm lucky. I, I went through, you know, I, I went through a top five practice, went through their audit team, went through their forensics team, went through their corporate finance team. You know, I, that all of that stuff is, is my bag and that's that's what I'm expert in. But I can imagine that a number of people in social care don't have that. And so they are going to have to rely on third party experts to build that out for them, um, which is yet another cost. And ultimately, it's it's yet another black box that they just have to trust that that data is correct. So that that for me, again, is it, I think it's an overall concern for the sector in terms of our level of financial sophistication. Do we have the right people, the right organizations uh, like, you know, like Hazelwood's? actually inputting in and giving us those forecast models that we can really rely on and trust on and that we can present to third-party stakeholders and go actually that is the health of our business i can think of um quite sizable care businesses where they don't have a particularly strong finance function you don't have a that perhaps even have a qualified accountant at the helm um don't have any forecasts at all don't want to pay somebody like us to prepare them so, you know, that that's quite a worry. Mm. It really is looking forward and knowing how certain um, events could affect their business and what that means for them. Absolutely. Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like I some of the most enjoyable conversations I have with people leading care organisations is the conversations about the future, the exciting stuff, the strategies, the initiatives, the stuff that people can get really kind of energised about. But usually those are the those the medium to long term play exercises. You know, if you're going to launch a dementia care strategy or you're going to double the size of your portfolio or you're going to uh, you're looking to do, I don't know, could, could, could be anything. Most of those things aren't achieved in. Oftentimes, they're, they're things that will take at least six months worth of planning and can take a year plus to to, to, to execute upon um, stepping forward confidently knowing that you've got the ability to make those investments because most of the things usually revolve around some level of investment if unless it's whether, whether it be time or money um it would i would personally feel quite um i don't i, I don't know how confident i'd be without that structure you know um it, it's all very well kind of saying oh we're going to get to this number of homes or this number of services or, or, or whatever it might be but without the you kind of need the foundations to underpin the aspirations it's it, it, itself if you uh if you like it'd be interesting to to, to know i guess we'll, we'll, rachel you might might find out me and michael will never know but like to know kind of whether those things end up leaving those care providers getting unstuck at some point or maybe not being able to fulfill some 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 of their expectations which um yeah, of course, it's going to be frustrating because most most business owners that i know they they, they want the reason part of the reason why they're in business is to do those exciting things because they're, they're they're the things that kind of light light people up and give them energy to to know that you were going through that 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 type of process and thinking oh might run out of money at any point or might be able to have to scale that particular particular project it's almost like the the wings have been clipped before you've even set out or or at least potentially it also depends on the sort of person you are you know we're michael and i are accountants so we're um quite technical in nature i guess but some people are higher level, pic big picture people, aren't they? And and I've got clients where they they're just not really interested in talking about the the numbers, the history. It, it just doesn't float about. They're just constantly looking forward. 
and in a high level way rather than in a detailed way and they just glaze over when you when you start talking about the numbers so i've you know got a pitch pitch your audience haven't you there's no point talking to people who just aren't interested in in that level of granularity yeah yeah no that's uh, that's definitely yeah definitely true i think i'm learning i've always t- typically been a uh a, a, a more focused on the on the on the big vision side of uh side of things but i think um my experience has certainly been that um getting to grips with the with the details at least knowing that it's set up in the right way then i can go and focus on the big picture type stuff because i know that things are organized and that there's great people doing that type of stuff the types of things that i'm maybe not quite so quite so proficient in we, um, as a healthcare team, we recently went through one of these um, courses, one of these days of establishing what type of people you are. You know, I don't know whether you've ever done anything like this. One is a colour, the blues and the reds and what have you. And it's really interesting to see, you know, the majority of people in our team are, no surprise, pretty technical. Um, but we had a really good smattering of, of other other colours. Sadly, I, I don't know whether sadly I was very red. Don't know whether that's a compliment or not. <laughs> but I, I think what it tells you is you do need that mixture of people sure. at a higher level in an organisation that can bring all of those different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Am I right in saying so? Blue is like the technician, the super detailed person, and then red is the typically kind of a a, a kind of um, a uh, a leadership type uh, type person who tends to be quite uh, assertive and is um, uh, c- commonly somebody that will often look into the into the future. If I remember that correctly, because it's been a That's while. That's a nice way of putting it, Simon. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I didn't realise there was an unpleasant way to uh, to put it, but uh, well, I I I certainly think it's a compliment. I, I've had other people describe me as being red, uh, so maybe, maybe I need to work out whether that that was a compliment or not. We'll uh, have to go and wait and see. But um, but yeah, I mean, businesses need people from all sorts of different backgrounds. I know when I was doing the uh, the the management consultancy business, we we had a, a kind of a coach to our our business as well, and we did profiling on all of our various different team members and things, and it's getting the right people in the right place places doing the right things to round off let's let's talk about some exciting stuff let's talk about the future i'm 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 interested to hear from both of you what are the things that you're most excited to to see in the in the coming years so rachel let's uh, let's uh, let's hear from you first i think it's it's operators who are um recognizing that they need to you know up their game in terms of digital and data because that will hopefully give us better data on which to advise them. You know, we don't want our, you know, qualified staff having to do too much crunching of numbers and that, as as Michael referred to it, that sort of mundane stuff. We want them to be upskilling and advising clients about, you know, different aspects of their business or tax planning or whatever it is. So I think that if there's a, a, a improvement of the quality of data, in the finance teams that can only help us you know free up more time in that respect brilliant yeah no that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense so um big big uh big big shift towards technology and data ah that's uh it's good to hear and michael i guess um uh, uh interested to hear kind of how your your view on this tallies up as uh, as well with rachel's um i suppose i, I look at it in, in in two respects the first is the like rachel was saying better data uh better better automation and increased 
you know, sophistication of processing. I think that it's always exciting when you've got better expertise in a sector and it, that looks better. I think we, we and just actually reflecting on that, I think a willingness to engage with financials. So um, I, I, that, that has to happen in our sector moving forward. So there was, I was on a, a call with a local authority uh, as part of the fair cost of care exercise last year, they had less than 30% of all care providers in region, care home providers in region, provide data back. This data should be really accessible. I mean, okay, it was painful. You know, you've got to go out and cut it in a different way. It was half a day's worth of work for me to report on six care homes. We need as, an, we need as a sector to be able to engage with that. You can only do that with better data, better sophistication and what have you. So I think, you know, and as a result of that, we will get we will get to the answer of how to solve social care a lot quicker. Um, the other thing that I'm, I am particularly excited about, actually, is I think as part of the solution of social care, we will see more consolidation, not only of providers, because I think the the individual care home model is starting to go away. I think we're starting to see you know, the consolidation of the sector a little bit. Um, but I, I, interesting, I also think that the, the bigger providers are going to fragment. So I think we will have more medium-sized providers rather than fewer larger, if that makes sense. But I also think the consolidation of the NHS and local authority and, and the solution there about how they operate in terms of, yeah, in terms of how social care works, I think as they start to get together and we create whatever this, this, this fixed future of social care looks like, when we get to that point, I think that we will see a much more exciting sector. And I'm, I'm really, that, that, that journey for me is going to be frustrating. There's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth, but I think it's going to be really exciting actually seeing that progression and seeing, seeing social care seen as, as foundational to the success of, of healthcare in this country. We've seen that in the NHS so far, but seeing it embedded in that is going to be is going to be truly exciting. A wonderful way to end our conversation, uh, an uplifting and exciting note. Um, we talked about some really important stuff, so thank you both for for your time today. Uh, I think that really nicely answers the uh, answers the questions and will be a, a useful piece of content for our members. So, uh, Michael, Rachel, pleasure as always. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.